We're going to go into the sixth chapter of the book of Acts. While you're going there, we see some visitors here this morning. We want to make you welcome. God bless you for being here with us. Amen. Can you give them a hand? Thank you. God bless you. The sixth chapter in the book of Acts. And uh, want to, I want to read some places. And we'll read in the sixth and then um, jump over into the seventh chapter of the book of Acts. And this being sort of... Um, the last sermon on this topic about an open heaven. But I want you to uh, just look with me today. We're going to talk about Stephen's. Stephen's open heaven. Stephen's open heaven. And so in the, in the sixth chapter, they were forming the church and the ministries of the church and needed some what they called deacons, which were just ministers of the body. And so the direction for them was to look out men that were, seven men that were full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And so they did, in verse 5, and the same pleased all those before the multitude, and they chose out Stephen, a man full of faith and Holy Spirit. They also chose some others, but we just want to talk about Stephen because this, this story, this setting is really about him. And, and so if you go down to the 14th verse, we'll just take it back up. They have now uh, drawn him into the Sanhedrin for what he's done in verse 14 said, For we have heard him saying that this Jesus the Nazarene will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered over to us. Verse 15, And looking intently at him, all those seating themselves in the Sanhedrin saw his face as if it were the face of an angel. Wow, that's amazing. If you go over into the seventh chapter with me, and I want to go all the way over to the 54th verse. And following his sermon to them, verse 54, and hearing these things, they were cut to their hearts and gnashed the teeth on him. But being full of the Holy Spirit, looking intently into heaven, he saw the glory of God, even Jesus, standing out of the right of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens having been opened, and the Son of Man standing out of the right of God. And crying with a loud voice, they held their ears and rushed on him with one passion. And throwing him outside the city, they stoned him. And the witnesses put off their garments at the feet of a young man called Saul. And they stoned Stephen, invoking and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And placing the knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not make this sin stand to them, and saying this, he fell asleep. Now, Lord, we just ask you at the reading of your word this morning, God, that some freshness and newness that always comes out of your word. It's, it's amazing, Lord. We think, we think that we've heard it all, and we've been in a lot of sermons and a lot of church services. And then you come along and just bless and show that, that your word's not dead. Your word is alive. And Lord, I pray this morning that the life that's in this word will just get to our hearts today and establish us and settle us, Lord. Make us stronger in you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What great things we have already felt and witnessed this morning. 
been talking about seeing the heavenly things and have gone through a few places in Scripture and kind of wanted to sum this up as being our sort of the last last um, one of this study. And Stephen, oh, what a great man. What a ministry. Very short ministry. Very short ministry. Kind of reminds me, John the Baptist, he didn't minister very long, but what he did minister was amazing. This man, Stephen, is he's not going to minister very long. He's not going to be a deacon too long of a time. It looks like they have just appointed him. They've just picked him out to help. But, but the scripture said that he is doing signs and wonders, that he's doing things that are, that are of a spiritual nature heavenly things, they've actually adopted them into these positions for a physical duty. They were having problems feeding uh, some of the widows of the church, and there must have been many. There were thousands now in the early church, and this is just, I'm going to say, probably within months of the outpouring of the Spirit of God, establishing of the church, and they've run into a problem where they can't get everything done. They're they feel like the church, some of them feel like that the, the uh, ones that are Hellenistic or those that are Greek widows but Christians are being neglected in the church. And so they have decided that they will get them some uh, deacons to take care of that business. Everybody needed to be fed. And in that day, of course, if you didn't feed the widows, they didn't have Social Security they didn't have any kind of government help, and uh, so the church took it on, and, and they cared for them. Now, electing these men and putting them in place, it doesn't really talk about the other men. There's the names, it names them in the sixth chapter there, but it doesn't really, doesn't really expand on them. But it does talk about this man, Stephen, and what a great man he must have been. I would think if he had gone on and, and continued to minister and they hadn't taken his life, that he probably would have been later on one of the apostles of the church. But really doesn't matter to him. He doesn't care uh, seemingly about the title that's over him because they just made up a title for them, deacons. And, and now we have a, uh, we've made that mean something completely different. In most churches, the deacons run the church. And the pastor does the preaching, and that's, that's kind of the way organization has done. And that really wasn't this original intention here. The original intention was that they all work together for the function of the body, and I still believe that. Can you say amen? And so we have elders in this church, and we have advisors, we have helpers, we have ministers in this church, and we all work on the same page for the same purpose, and that is for the glory of God, for the uh, building of the church and the edification of the body. Philip, or excuse me, Stephen, I don't Philip, but Stephen has something about him that's special. I think it separates him maybe from a lot of others. He's filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, this alone has, has so much meaning. They said to search out those that were full of the Holy Spirit, but, but now we see Stephen is doing things that that are, can only come by a spiritual, spiritual manifestation. It's not his ability to heal people. He can't do miracles. He can't do signs and wonders, but he is filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And I believe if you're ever going to see spiritual things, if you're ever going to see heavenly things, that there is a prerequis prerequisite here, and I believe it to be that you must be filled with the Spirit of God. Jesus works with this in Nicodemus in the third chapter of John and says to Nicodemus, you can't see the kingdom of God unless you are birthed from above. In other words, from the flesh eye and fleshly things, you're not going to understand the kingdom of God. Now I've got to work on a little something right here because I started on it last week and it just parallels this. And every time you're going to see something about heaven, it's not understood in the fleshly realm. The fleshly realm cannot understand the things of God. 
and we've tried to. We've tried to put it in fleshly terms. Now, I want to put it in fleshly terms so you can understand this. But even Jesus in the parables that he puts forth to the people, a lot of times they don't understand it, and he has to explain it to them because they're only looking at a physical nature. And we see God's things under a physical, physical nature. We'll never see the spiritual content that's there. The spiritual man does not understand the things of God. He does not have the capacity to understand the things of God. Now, that comes out of Scripture, not out of me. That comes out of Romans, the 8th chapter. The physical carnal man does not understand the things of God. I sat on a deacon board, and I don't want to judge everybody's life, but I do believe that I was the only one there that was saved. Oh, they were taking care of the physical things of the church. And it was all physical. And it was all about people and stuff and money and, and all the things that was going on. And there wasn't any Holy Spirit of God that seemed to be uh, dwelling in any of those meetings or anything that, that was going on with that. There just is, listen, there's no capacity of the carnal man to understand the spiritual. We've tried to do it. We've tried to make it happen. And every time we've mixed spirit and we've mixed the spirit of man and the spirit of God, we have come up with things that really do not profit the body of Christ. And so we divide that this morning and, and regularly we divide that, that heavenly things are not earthly things expanded. Heavenly things are not earth things that are just much better. They're just much better than what's on the earth. They are completely different than what is earthly. Those things which are earthly are earthly. Jesus again in John 3, fleshly things, carnal things are carnal. That which is of the flesh is flesh. That which is of the spirit is spirit. And don't get the two confused because if we mix man's spirit into heavenly things, let me tell you, there's some things that happen. Let me give you some, just some, some uh, examples of what can happen. There, number one, becomes a distorted view of the Scripture. If you mix the mind of the flesh in with the Scripture of God, there comes a distorted view, a distorted view of what is said by the Word of God, a distorted view of how God views this thing, God's Word, the inspiration of God's Word, whether or not that it is final, whether or not that it is the base, the Word of God. And when we, when we mix our mind into it, questions begin to come up like, does really, really does this matter now? Really, is that Scripture for us? Really, are these things, uh, and this misinterpretation comes about the Scripture of God. When we put our mind to it, instead of just saying, God, this is your word, I believe it. God, your word is right, and I'm wrong. Like he said in his word, let every man be a liar, and let God be the truth. And somehow, I have to strip my mind out of the Scripture and say, God, you're right. God, you are right. I'm wrong every time. God, your word is right. How many can say this morning that when you have taken the word of God at face value, that it has blessed and touched and led your life? Can you say amen? And then how many could turn around and say, I have at times sort of tampered with and, and maybe, maybe didn't want to see Scripture the way it was. It really causes confusion in our life because we mix the spirit thing with the flesh thing. And then the next thing that can happen over this is that there becomes in our life a dysfunctional Christian behavior patterns. Mm -hmm. Well, I just don't believe it takes all that. And I just don't believe that, that God expects all that. And I know that down there at that church, they preach, you know, right out of the Word, they preach that, that, that Luke 9, 23. But, you know, I just really, I don't think that applies to me. And, I really, and what happens is we begin a dysfunctional Christian pattern in our life. And that's hard to break, my friend. That's really, really takes the anointing of God 
to break off the dysfunction in our life when we accept something that, that our mind tells us is right, but God's word says is wrong. And this pattern of dysfunction, if it begins in our life and takes hold, it's, it's a long, long road until somewhere God can anoint our heart again to say, Lord, I'm going to believe you. God, I'm going to trust you. I am going to live according to your word. Your word is right. And your life pattern that you've laid out for me, it's right. And I'm going to live it. I may make some mistakes in my life. I may have some things that need to be adjusted in my life. But I am going to live my life for Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Next, there is this inability to clearly discern the work of God. Now, I'll go back a ways in Pentecost and, and was raised with some, you know, some folks with good, I, I believe they had good intentions, and I believe they had, they had a heart, you know, that, that they loved the Lord, but, but they just weren't clear about separating spirit from flesh and saw things that were not the hand of God as though they were the hand of God. They said, boy, that's God moving. And it, really, I look at it and I say, no, that's not God's moving. Because if there's something inside of you, the Spirit of God inside of you bears witness. Can you say amen? There's a lot of stuff going on out there. There's a lot of things named the name of the Lord. A lot of churches with his name over it. But it doesn't mean that they are working and, and they are acting under the inspiration of what God says. And so this discernment that comes out, we don't have any discernment. If we mix the flesh with the spirit, we'll begin to call things that are fleshly spiritual and things that are spiritual fleshly. Man, and I've seen it all. I, well, maybe not all, but I've seen a good portion of it. And a lot of people calling it the Spirit. And a lot of people call it, look what God has done. And really, God wasn't trying to do that. He wasn't trying to get people up with brooms and pans and march around the church. He was trying to get people to sit down and to shut up and to listen a little bit till the Spirit of God could get a hold of their life. And I believe in rejoicing, but... But man, I do not believe in, in, uh, in kicking the pews over and I don't believe in jumping on the guitars and I've seen all that stuff happen and it's blamed on God. This is the Spirit of God and the reason why is we haven't been able to discern what's flesh and what is spirit and God, God is trying to get a hold of us down in here. He's not trying to get a hold of us so we can run and jump and shout even though I believe there is a proper time to do that. Worship the Lord and bless Him. God's not busting up things in the church. Brother Pastor, my, my uh, father-in-law had some, some guys that got so happy that they just started kicking holes in the walls. And he said, guys, you know, this is not the Spirit of God. But I'm so inspired, I need to, no, God never inspires you to bust up things. But when you get flesh in the mix... You can't discern what's God and what, and somebody said, don't, man, I tell you, don't, don't stop the move of the Spirit of God. I'm going to stop the move of the Spirit if it's busting stuff up. Can somebody say amen? Because we discern what is spiritual and what is fleshly. I've heard many a man get up and preach, and I walked away from there and said, that man, that's nothing but the flesh demonstrated there. I heard many men prophesying, and recently, the prophecies are coming out now for, for this coming year, and all those self-proclaimed prophets are coming forward, and, and they've got something, you know, that people are easily led into things if they don't know the difference between the flesh and the spirit, and they're tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. And so that's one of the reasons why that we hammer it here in this church. You get a hold of God and the Spirit of God and, and fleshly things won't seem like they're, they're so powerful in the house of God. We don't want a bunch of stuff up here that looks like, looks like a, a show. We don't want to put on a show. We don't want to bring people in to do a show because that's nothing but flesh. 
All that does is appeal to the flesh. And I'm not here to appeal to the flesh. I'm here to worship Jesus this morning. And we have done that. We got in this place this morning and hearts were lifted up and hands were lifted to the Lord and tears were coming out of eyes and praises were coming up and nobody was getting glory but Jesus. And that's the way it should be. Amen? But it takes this division. It takes this division between flesh and spirit, and I see the Lord doing that in his ministry constantly. I see the apostles doing that work in their ministry. I see Paul, who wrote to the churches, doing that in his writings to the churches, trying to make clear the things of God. And we need a, we need a clear word to start off this year. We don't need another prophecy about you're going to get your stuff back. You're going to get your house back. You're going to get your neighbor's stuff because God is going to take it from the neighbor and he's going to give it to you. And the wealth of the world is coming to you. I don't need that kind of a prophecy in my life. I don't need somebody to get up and tell me that I'm going to get my stuff and my children are going to come back and all that. What I need is somebody with a clear voice that can pronounce the word of God and foretell the word of God to the church that we can hear a word that's going to help me tomorrow and I'm going to get up tomorrow and I'm going to know the difference between my flesh and the spirit man inside of me and I won't be dictated by the flesh come on say amen this is the word that we need come on give the Lord a praise right there yes amen so easy for us to be led if we don't understand that that which is carnal and that which is spirit. Say, well, pastor, how do I do that? Just get real smart? No, it's infilling of the Spirit of God in your life. A spiritual man, the Scripture said, he, he judges things. He, there's this, this value of spiritual things in your life. If you, if you have a fullness of the Spirit of God, you're aware, you you sense, you know, you, you somehow, somehow you bear witness. There's a lot of things going on in a lot of places, and I just say don't bear witness with that. And, and God's going to have to handle everybody that's getting up and saying everything. It's not my business and not my place, but I do know this that the Spirit of God within me bears witness. The Spirit of God, when a man of God gets up and preaches a word, the Spirit of God that's in me bears witness and says, Yes. Yes, that's for me when somebody gets up and maybe maybe I'm not even acting right in some area and God begins to convict me and the Spirit of the Lord inside of me, it bears witness with that word that God is going to change my life and that God is going to help me. Can you say amen? Stephen, full. Full. What does it mean to be full of the Spirit? I've thought about that and and we all, we're a bunch of working people here. We've got a range of, and I thought about this the other day, we've got a range of people from do all kinds of different things in this church. But everybody here, unless you're injured or retired or something, or everybody's working. Or you have been a worker. And so... I go out in the workplace and how can I be filled with the Spirit when all are wanting to do, Brother Tom, is come to the window and complain? How can I be filled with the Spirit when I keep missing the nail that I'm supposed to hit? How can I be filled with the Spirit when I get up and, and things just the day is just not going the way that I really thought? This isn't a spiritual day at all. I got up and didn't feel right, and then I'm too tired to deal with that stuff today. Come on. Can I just get a break? Can, you know, would things just go right for once? And how am I going to be spiritual in that? And let me just give you a clue. You're going to have to separate the flesh and the spirit because the flesh and the spirit are two different arenas. And I know that's kind of hard to understand, but, but pastor, you know, I'm a flesh man. Yes, you are a flesh man. And you have flesh feelings. And you have flesh desires. 
And those have to constantly be separated. They have to constantly be put down. Somebody, come on now. They have to constantly come under control. You can't allow your flesh to run your life. You can't allow your passions and your feelings to run your life. If you're going to be effective in the kingdom of God, you have to be able to put that down in the name of Jesus. Yes, I'm going to go out and work. Yes, I'm going to live in the flesh. Yes, I have a family. Yes, I have all those issues and things in my life. But I have to be able to separate that. I have to be able to know what is spirit in my life. And I've got to submit to that. What? do you think prayer is about? You think prayer is about asking God for all the things you want? Or is prayer about submitting yourself down so that the fleshly man, the physical man, the carnal man goes down and the spiritual man begins to come up in your life and they that are led by the Spirit will not fulfill the lust of the flesh? We got this, this fasting thing we started, we're going to do again this year. What, what do you think fasting is about? Boy, I'm going to really get some brownie points now. I'm telling you what, I'm going to be powerful with God because I fasted a day or two. And, and really, man, my life is, no, what it does, it humbles you down. God is in the process of your life. If you don't know this, God is in the process of your life of humbling your flesh down and exalting the spirit man inside of you to the place that you're led not by the dictates of the flesh, but you are led by the power of the spirit of God in your life. So when you come to things in your life where you have to make a decision, Boy, you know, is this good for me? Is this better for me? Uh, you know, maybe I can cut this corner. Maybe I can cheat the boss a little. Maybe, maybe this and that and the other. And then really the Spirit of God rises up in you and says, that's the flesh speaking now, and we're going to put the flesh down. And you look at something, and, and, and there's a woman, and, and she's, you know, you shouldn't be looking at her. And, and, and then the flesh rises up, the Spirit of God rises up in you and says, no, that's not the way we're going. We're not allowing the flesh to do that, but we are submitting the flesh to God and that's what it means to be full of the Spirit of God. I think there's been, at least in Pentecost, there's been, I think there's been a, a misunderstanding. And, and I'm not here to correct anybody or anything, but, but I just want to preach to the church this morning that, that really being filled with the Spirit of God does not mean that you're speaking in tongues. For those of you that's been raised in Pentecost, that's, that's been the, the, the final of it. That you got, you spoke in tongues, which I agree with, which I believe that, that God does in individuals' lives. But that, my friend, is not the fullness of the Spirit of God. The fullness of the Spirit of God is to cause you to live in victory to cause you to live above the sins that you once traveled in, to cause you to walk in a way that you just cannot do by yourself. That's the ability of the Spirit. That is the power of the Spirit that we have neglected. We've thought the Spirit of God, we're going to go out and heal people and do miracles and things. And really, that ability that comes upon you at the receiving of the Spirit of God in your life is an ability to live above sin. Can you say amen? I don't believe, like a lot of people believe, that you have to go out and sin every day. I don't believe that. I believe the Spirit of God can rise up in you and say, you're not going there you're not living there. You're not doing that. You're not going back because the power of God that's above my power, it's above my physical man, and that is the fullness of the Spirit of God. Another dimension in my life. When the New Testament talks about the Spirit of God, we're talking about the Spirit life. Signs and wonders and things that happen, you know, those, those kind of things do happen. And bless God, they happen in this church. Healings happen in this church. Words of knowledge happen in this church. Well, in the Lord's church, I, I'm not bringing us up to some kind of a high place, but, but words of wisdom happen in this church 
the prophetic word of God is active in this church. And I'm not talking about predicting what's going to happen next. I'm talking about the foretelling of the mysteries and the goodness of God comes out of this church and out of this pulpit and out of our preachers. There is a moving of the Spirit of God. Somebody said, well, you know, look at the book of Acts and that's really, the book of Acts is a compilation of many years packed down into short writing. And it seemed like miracles were just happening every day and signs and wonders, but it really didn't act out that way. Here happened a thing, and there happened a thing, and over there happened a thing, just like in the body of Christ here. When the Holy Spirit is active in a church, there is some things going to happen. There's some people going to get right with God. There's some people that's going to give away their old life and, and, and pass away from that thing and let God be Lord Christ of their life. There are some folks that are going to get blessed and healed and filled and anointed and, and they're going to overcome and they're going to live a life that they couldn't live when the Spirit of God is in the house. This, this present elitist gospel people, mega ministry people, they want to talk about the move of the Spirit of God but would never say a thing that would offend sin. Would never say a thing that would offend the left. Never say a thing. How, and I've, I've heard this, how are we going to minister to people if we offend them? Being full of the Holy Spirit is going to offend some folks. I told one person years ago, and and. It didn't happen, but they were talking to me about some certain things. Well, Pastor, you know, what about revelation that God brings to you? What about understanding the Word of God, you know, and about prophecy of the Word of God? I'm going to tell you something. When you get anointed of God, when you get filled with the presence of God, your circle is going to get smaller. Well, I don't want to sacrifice my buddies, you know, my, my sinful friends, and we all go out and we have a good time, and, and, and they're cursing and carrying on and drinking, and, and you know what? I just don't want to, I just don't partake in it. And, that's, and, and God said, when you're full of the Holy Spirit, they're going to be offended of you. You're going to be an oddball in the crowd. You're going to be one that they don't want around because you're just a do-gooder. You make them look so bad. I don't know if you've ever had that said to you, but, but, but I've had that kind of stuff said to me. I was working in the oil fields, and there's some cruddy people in the oil fields. They're, they're just not very good. Their morals are bad, and they are just... They're just, they take the weekend and live it up and then you go to work and, and they're calling me, what do you do, preacher? What did you do this weekend? You know, we did this and that and, and begin to mock because I'm the oddball in that thing. They've all been out having their time and, and, and doing everything that pleased them walking in the flesh. And here's this do-gooder guy that goes to church and that's what's going to happen to you, so get ready for it. If you want to be full of the Spirit, everybody's not going to embrace you. We're looking for a gospel that, that uh, is, everybody in town is going to love us and, and we're going to be down at City Hall with accolades and, and the mayor is just going to be embracing us and, and calling out good things on our church. Let me tell you that that is contrary to the word of God. Jesus said they didn't like what I said. They didn't like what I had and they're not going to like what you say and they're not going to like what you have. I'm not going to purposely offend anybody but I'll, on the other hand, I'm not going to stop from preaching the word of God that may offend you. It's possible that the word of God may offend your life. You say, well, how, do you, how, how then are you going to minister to somebody? That's... That's not my purpose. That's not my reason. I'm going to preach this word and to those that are hungry, they're going to eat. Those that are thirsty, they're going to drink. Those that are knocking, there's going to be an answer. Those that are searching and reaching God is going to minister to them. See, not everybody in the world is going to accept the gospel. Not everybody wants the gospel. Not everybody likes the gospel. But to those that are full of the Holy Spirit of God, they're going to preach it. Say amen. I don't think spirit men can be constrained 
from bringing the truth of the gospel. I don't think you can buy a spirit-filled man. I don't think you can constrain him and throttle him down. I know there's many a church, and I know some myself, that don't want preachers preaching a certain thing. And we've got you here, and we want you to, to preach what we want preached in this house, and that certainly would never fit for me. Because I'm not here to entertain you this morning. I'm not here even to make you feel good. I'm not trying to make you feel good. What I'm trying to do is give you the Word of God. And the Word of God will change your life. The Spirit-filled life will change you. I like it because it said you won't be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine now and I kind of like it when some of the congregation will, will stand up and say, I heard a certain thing, and you know what? I don't believe that. My spirit doesn't bear witness with that mess. we got a lot of things going on in this valley, and here we're in a new year, and it's just going to be ramped up. Just a lot of things that are called spirit. And, and I say to you folks this morning, you need to know what the spirit of God is and what the spirit of God is not. You may be approached in the store. You may be approached in a parking lot somewhere. I don't just let just anybody pray over me and prophesy over me. I've got a word for you. Now hang on just a second now. Let one prophesy and let the rest judge. Can you say Amen. All those men that have laid down prophecies this last year, all those people that said certain things, let them say them, but then let everybody else judge. I need an established word of God. So let's go on to Stephen now, and I don't want to miss him in this sermon. It is about him. But Stephen's preaching landed him in front of the Jewish high court, the Sanhedrin. 71 men, sages, wise men, 71 men of the Jews that had been chosen to rule. They carried the understanding of the law. They knew God's word. They made decisions for the civil life of the Jewish people. And now, this is amazing, that you would take a man who's no more than a deacon and set him in front of the high court of the land. And if you look in the scripture, you're going to find out that they didn't have anything to reason with him with. It said they could not withstand his teaching. I'll tell you something about a spirit-filled man. You're going to have a hard time withstanding his teaching. We got a lot of stuff going on on the internet, and and uh, I just don't believe you should get in arguments on the internet. Somebody say, "Man, that, that's too easy." Anybody can say anything on the internet. There is no ramifications whatsoever. You just say whatever you want to say on the internet. Let it go. This morning I will be judged for what I say in front of the church. But I get on that internet, man, I can just do whatever and say whatever and boast and brag. And, and what you're going to find there is people who are not spirit-filled that are going to try and instruct people who are spirit-filled. Well, the Bible says... I don't need a devil telling me what the Bible says. Well, you know, I used to go to church, and I don't need a, I used to go to church telling me anything about my life. What I need is a word of God. And now Stephen has been preaching the word of God. He didn't get up in front of them because of signs and wonders and miracles. That, that's not why they took him up. It's because they could not withstand his word. And so they get him in front of the Sanhedrin. Now, I, I want, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to a few places, and if you can do this for me, um, 
Matthew, the 10th chapter, and the 18th verse, Haley. And I want to read this. This will be several times that we've done this, but if you, if you haven't got it, mark it down. And you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. Go to the next verse. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak. For it shall be given to you in that same hour what ye shall speak. Go ahead. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father in you. Can everybody say Father? Okay. Mark that one down. Go to Mark the 13th chapter in the 11th verse. Mark 13, 11. Jot that one down. Same thing, but kind of a different but when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what you shall speak, neither do ye premeditate. But whatsoever shall be given to you in that hour, that speak ye. For it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Spirit. Same thing in Matthew says the Spirit of the Father. We get to Mark and it says, the Holy Spirit. We've got one more place to stop. Luke 21, 12. Talking about the same thing. But before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogue and into the prisons, being, sought, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. Go to the next verse. And it shall be to you for a testimony. Go on. Settle it therefore in your hearts not to meditate before what you shall answer. Go on. For, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. So I wonder who's given the information. And you're just throwing this in there for free. But the spirit-filled man is getting some information from some places. First of all, in the book of Matthew, well, it's the spirit of the Father. And then you get into Mark and the Holy Spirit. And, and then Jesus just sums it up in Luke and says, I, I will give you by my spirit, that same spirit that you're full of, that same spirit that you're anointed with, that same spirit that has brought you out of sin and led you to a life of righteousness, when they drag you before councils, when they put you before the Sanhedrin, don't, don't think about, don't premeditate and study what you're going to say because what has got you there is going to speak once it got you there. In other words, the Spirit of God that put you in front of them is going to come alive in your heart and what happens next is going to be by an outpouring of the Spirit of God, an elevated discourse, something that you didn't plan on, something that you didn't think about, something that's beyond your knowledge and God is going to get the glory again. He's glorified in your life, being filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and then he's glorified when he gets you up there to speak in his name. Can you say amen? Amen. If we're going to clap a little, let's all clap. Amen. So, so Stephen, which knows what Jesus said, is now standing before the council. Let's see, he reaches in his pocket and he goes for his notes. Let's see here. I'm supposed, I say this and then I say that and they say and then I say, no, no, not at all. Because the same spirit of the Lord is anointing him in that place. It's what Jesus said. When he opens his mouth, and, and we say this, you know, sometimes about people. They open their mouth and stupid fell out. When he opened his mouth, anointing fell out. I don't know, I don't know if you've read this sermon. It takes up most of two chapters. One of the greatest sermons that's ever been written down. 
he starts with Abraham. And now I want you to know who's sitting there, 70 sages, 71 sages. And he's going to school them about the Old Testament. And he's not even one of them. He didn't even go to their schools. And he's going to school them about what God did from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, the law, the tabernacle, the temple. He's going to school them by the anointing of God and they cannot dispute it. It just, it's in their face because God is showing what he was doing and they're thinking about what they're doing. They've got a mind of the flesh. They've got a will of the flesh. But God is intervening in Stephen's life and now he preaches under the anointing power of Jesus Christ all the way from Abraham all the way to the just one and he points his finger at them and said, you murdered him and you betrayed him you think they're happy now he has just embarrassed them and now he's accusing them of being murderers don't you know this was the same council that put Jesus to the cross the Sanhedrin that night that took him in trial and proclaimed him to be guilty of blasphemy is the same bunch of murderers that's going to act out on Stephen now. And what has Stephen done? He's just acted under the anointing power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now hearing this, hearing this, it says they are cut to the heart. And I mean, they're not just cut to the heart. They are infuriated at what they have heard. Now, I want you to remember that these are grown men, men of the cloth. They are Bible scholars and wise men. Let's compare them to our, our high councils. Let's compare them to our senators. That's what they were. Compare them to our, chief, our justices. These men absolutely lost the grip on reality. The first thing they're going to do is begin to grit their teeth and grind their teeth. Now, it reads as though they bit him, but I don't believe that's exactly what happened here. They ground and grit their teeth. They were so mad. Have you ever been so mad that you just, oh! I've seen my daughter do that. And she explained something to him. Dad, I was so mad, I just, oh! That's where they were. It's just, wow, oh, oh. they are so mad. They're just incensed, furious about what he has said. And, 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 and it's just though they're just clenching and grinding their teeth and to what's going to happen next. And then he's, he lets them know what's going to happen next. He said, I saw the heavens open. Wow. They already hate him. They already think he's an imposter. They think this Jesus that they put on the cross was not the Messiah. And now this guy, he is looking intently into heaven. They've got their eyes on him. They're gritting their teeth, and they're ready to move on him. And he's just looking intently into heaven, and then he looks at them and says, Hey, what I just saw, I need to relate that to you. I just saw the heaven open, and what I saw there was Jesus, the Lord. He's standing out of the right of God. There he is in heaven. And I'm going to tell you now, that just absolutely blew their mind. I've had a few arguments in my lifetime and I wouldn't put it above any of us that when you get so upset you don't want to hear anymore. You go, la, 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 la. Put your fingers in your ears. You didn't invent that. That came from the Sanhedrin. That's a Sanhedrin action. These fine men, judges of Israel, now have their fingers in their ears and they're screaming and yelling because they don't want to hear not even one more word of this. 
rush on him with their fingers in their ears. And, and I think he's helping them. I think the whole time they're taking him out, he's just saying, thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, it's on Jesus in heaven. And they're just getting madder and madder and madder, and plugging their ears, screaming, yelling, violently furious. Can you imagine? I want to tell you something. I know there's a gospel out there that says the world's going to love you. And you know, the world and the church should just, man, we should just should be joining hands and just doing the kumbaya stuff because we're all God's children. I'm sorry to say here this morning that the world's not going to like the sound of a spirit-filled man or woman. I think that's a decision. That's one of those count-the-cost things in our life. Do I want to be spirit-filled? Do I want to walk as a spirit-filled person? There's, there's going to be folks that don't. They don't like me. They don't want to hear me. They, they're going to they're absolutely plug their ears, walk away. Not going to be my friend anymore. They're going to turn away from me. But I'm going to tell you this. I've, I've seen enough people come and go in life. So I've, I've had friends that turn. I've had family that's walked away. That It really, I've got one heart, and that is to please my Lord. I'm not looking for the pleasure and, and admiration of, of friends and relatives and loved ones. I'm looking for the Lord to say unto me, thou good servant, thou faithful servant, thou anointed person. And that's what I want in my life. Can the church respond to that and say amen? God, for this year, I need something more than just a gospel that's going to go along with the world and not make any ruffles and not not rock the boat any, but I'm, I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand where you want me to stand when everyone else is going down another road. I'm standing because I want to be spirit-filled this year. I don't want another year of doing things kind of haphazardly and sort of and almost. I want the Spirit of God so saturated in my vessel that, oh God, I can separate out the flesh and, and hear the voice of the Lord speaking to me. He saw the glory of God. I'm going to say this again because I said it last week. It's, it's okay. Redundant, Pastor. He's got a lot of redundant stuff. Repetition is a good teacher. Do you know how hard it is to debunk a received lie? If you've received it, the media, our media knows this. They'll report it. The next station, TV stuff, they report it. The next news, they report it. And they're all singing the same song. And if you do that long enough, people would just begin to accept it. They didn't originally believe it. But now they have accepted it. And it may be an absolute bald-faced lie. Do you know how hard it is to debunk a lie that's been given like that and people have received? Almost impossible. I've dealt with some people that they were taught early on once you're saved, always you're saved. You can't dig that out of them. You can't blow that out with a piece of dynamite. It's, they have so received that. And that's why the Spirit has got to debunk those things away from our life that aren't real, that aren't true. The concepts that have been around the Word of God, the concepts of heaven. Somebody said, what's heaven about? I want to tell you what heaven is about. It's what Stephen saw. He saw Jesus in the glory of God. He's standing out of the right of God. In the book of Psalms, you'll find over and over again, God, you have saved us by your power of your right arm, by 
your mighty hand you have saved us and delivered us and now Stephen looks into heaven not in an Old Testament time but in a New Testament era where Christ has been to the cross Christ has been to the grave Christ has ascended and gone up on high and now he sits ever and ever in the heavenlies as God and Lord over all things and if you ever get a view and a glimpse of heaven what you're going to get is a glorified Jesus Christ who is above all that his name is above all his power is above all this is what you'll get in the spirit of God in heavenly places no wonder Paul said God in Jesus Christ has set us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus because he's what you're going to see in heavenly places. Boy, it sure pales the idea of what I think heaven has been about, you know. Some city somewhere laden with jewels and gold. The pirate's dream, you know, sort of. Stephen had it right. He said, man, the heaven was open. I want to tell you what I saw. If the heaven's ever open to you, you're going to see something. Paul said it this way. He said, he said this way. I know a man, he said, who, who was taken up into the third heaven. Now, we suppose that that man was him. He saw things there that are not lawful to talk about. Because we're not going back under the law. Christ fulfilled the law. There's things there that surpass the law, and, and his name is Jesus. I think this witness will carry out throughout all Scripture that, that what appears in an open heaven is an invisible God and a visible Christ. A transcendent God who is imminent in Christ Jesus. The infinite which you cannot see, but the tangible which steps forth in the glory of God. Out of the right of God. And if you look at an Old Testament time and, and you may look at the word right and, and it may be Somehow it may be locational. It may be on the right side. But when you get into the New Testament, we're not talking about location. We're talking about position. And what comes out of the right of God is not a location of a right arm and a right, right, right location. But it is the position of majesty and power and honor and glory. And what you're going to see when you want to see the glory of God, Moses, you can't see it yet because it has hasn't happened yet, but there will be a time when all of us are going to be resurrected from the dead. And what am I going to see, Pastor? You're going to see what Stephen saw, and that is the glory of God in Jesus Christ revealed unto humanity. An awesome thing. I'm going to close now. Some folks, especially religious, religious folks, aren't going to agree with us. I'm going to say us in a broad term. Those that place Jesus Christ as the glory of God. They're not going to agree about honoring Jesus in all high power and dominion. Preeminent over everything. Whose name exceeds every Old Testament description and title of God. But this is what heaven is about. Jesus is what heaven is about. The glory of God. I've been serving the Lord a long time, and some of you all have too. They say, I would go to my reward, you know, and get a bunch of stuff, some crowns and all that. 
I'll guarantee you, if you get in the Spirit, you won't think a thing about any of that. The last thing that was on your mind this morning, when Debbie started playing that song and I heard that piano, your presence, your glory. The last thing on my mind is something physical that I can get when I walk into heaven, some rewards. That's the last thing on my mind. Your presence, your glory is welcome here. All power, all honor, all dominion. That's what my heart is saying. Can you say amen, church? Not, you know, I'm, I'm, boy, I tell you what, I'm looking for great rewards. No, no, I'm really not. I'm looking for, yes, my reward is my Lord. Our reward is our Lord. Can you say amen? Oh, that's, that's just awesome. So I want to close right here in Philipp, or Ephesians, rather, 518. Ephesians 5.18. You're going to see a distinct cut in the Scripture between flesh and spirit. It's real obvious. Don't be intoxicated with wine or strong drink or marijuana or cocaine or whatever. We'll just plug all those in there. Because the, the idea isn't, you know, fine line in this thing. Well, if I'm not drunk, no, then wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. The flesh, but be filled with the Spirit. This is the cry of the Christian church. Not arguing about how much can I drink until I get drunk and how much marijuana can I enjoy until it becomes addictive. And, and you know, that's, all that discussion is going on on the churchy people on the Internet. And the Lord just cuts through that and says, you know, Hey, no, that, that's the wrong one. Not that. Be filled with the Spirit of God. My heart for this year is that this church, this body, I'm not ministering somewhere else, I'm ministering right here, that this body is filled with the Spirit of God. Say, well, I, you know, I need a different experience. I haven't had a, a, another, you know, like Holy Spirit experience out here. No, 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 I'm not talking about that stuff. I don't know nothing about that. But I know about the Christ that saved us and His Spirit that indwells inside of us. I just need to be full of Him. I need to be filled with Him. Now, that might be another level of experience in my life, all right, and that takes the flesh down and that puts this old guy down and, and brings Jesus up in my life. But that is the fullness of the spirit that we need. Can church say amen? God bless you. Would you stand with us this morning? Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of thank you and praise. Right. <laughs>